courtesy of Rad, it's time for another Fireside Chat, the official podcast of Flames fans. It's go time. Well, we think the Flames are going to do poorly, and they disappoint us every time. A big week, three games, three wins. As always, I'm Dan alongside Matt. Matt, this was the Flames' dads and mentors trip, and after the week they've had, I got to wonder, how do we keep these dads traveling with the boys all year? Well, that's the thing. You know, they need us to just predict nothing but failure and they need the dads just to be with them and you know the playoffs are guaranteed maybe we'll rename the show to failure side chat yes <laughs> just talk about all their failures yes. so between us between the dads i think they won just because nobody wants to hear from their dad son i'm disappointed in your play tonight they don't want it to be like back in the I, old days i where came all this way to watch this crap what the <laughs> hell are you guys doing <laughs> They don't want it to be like in the old days where you'd have to hear from dad the whole way home about everything you went you did wrong. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, it's one thing if your dad's coming from Calgary, but if you're one of the dads, you know, like uh, Backlund's dad, son, I came all the way from Sweden to watch you lose like that? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's talk yeah. Let's talk about these games that they didn't lose, shall we? Yeah, well, at least they got to send their dads home happy. <laughs> Hopefully. I mean, I don't know. Some dads are never happy, but happier, hopefully, than they were. Yep. Um, on Tuesday night, the Calgary Flames made a, a quick stop here in Calgary. They had a road trip before this, road trip after this. They came back to Ottawa, or came back here to play Ottawa. Big 6-3 win in the Dome to start the Dads week off. They watched the Flames during this game as well. And we had an NHL debut. We had uh, Jan Kuznetsov called up and debut in this one. The Flames scored four goals in the third period to hand the Senators their fourth straight loss. What were your thoughts on this one? Uh, I thought the Senators played rather poorly, and the Flames, for once, did not play down to their level. Like uh, the, the Senators did open the scoring early, but Calgary responded right away and um, went down a goal heading into the um, second period. Second. And fought back. Ottawa took the lead again. But, you know, like, then in the third period, the Flames just took it right over. It, it, it almost felt like in the third period, the Flames were just tired of playing with their food. Let's just close this up. Yeah, like, even though, like, Ottawa was leading three separate times in this game, like, Calgary felt like the better team the entire way. And, it, you know, it just finally things started going their way in the third period with goal after goal after goal after goal. Yeah, and... Uh, like you said, Ottawa didn't look good. I mean, I would say they haven't for the last little bit. Um, but in that third period, they just they that was probably one of the biggest, I don't know, empty tanks of gas I've seen in a while. Like I'd say at about the four minute mark, they just looked like they were done. Yeah, and Ottawa is a very weird team. Like they have a lot of good offensive players, but like none of those guys play defense whatsoever, and their defense is it's like a team of McDavid's. Basically, I was actually just going to make that comparison. It's like watching the Edmonton Oilers without McDavid or Dreisaitl. And yet, like, being a relatively deep team offensively, despite that, but, like, no true superstar. And, you know, like, just the same lack of defensive coordination, uh, which was actually both surprising, considering they were supposed to be a playoff-ish team this year. And... Yeah, you know, it also makes a lot of sense considering where they are in the standings. 
Ottawa, to me, this year, I mean, they've been doing some interesting things the last little bit. And, I, you know, it looks like they were kind of out of their rebuild and ready to go for it. But tell me if you feel the same. It feels like they're almost just a team that put together a bunch of parts. And I, we've said this about the Flames a couple times in the last little bit, too. They put together a bunch of parts, but those parts just aren't working well together. Yeah, and, like, the chemistry between certain people and just lack of coordination uh you know and like there was a video last week of uh corpusalo just tearing into his defenseman going like where are you i need to pass you the puck and like smashing his stick like to wake up and like there's no coordination at all between anybody it seems defensively on that team and it, it'll be interesting to see how exactly they move that forward because uh, getting high quality defense is not exactly easy to do. And like, I feel that Ottawa is very much in a similar situation that Buffalo was a few years ago where uh, like they needed to go out and get uh, the guys that uh, like Rasmus Dahlin and uh, Owen power to stabilize their defense core. And I think that like over the next few years, they're going to need to, get more guys like that if they're wanting to get out of the rebuild. Well, another team that didn't look like they had a high-quality defense was the Arizona Coyotes. The Flames took their dads on the road to Arizona. After the dads were done doing some golfing, they watched the boys play there. Yeager Sharangovich scores his first hat trick as a Flames as the Flames cruise to a 6-2 win. This was probably the most fun Flames win I can think of this season. Like They scored early, they scored often. As a Flames fan, you were constantly excited. This was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and I have to say that uh, Carl Vamelka did not play poorly in this game. Uh, just Calgary kind of abused him very thoroughly, <laughs> very quickly. In this For one. those that don't know, that's the, the guy you probably never heard of. It was in net. Yeah, uh, the normal starter for the Arizona Coyotes and. Uh, yeah, the Flames got three goals on them very quickly, and then a fourth one shortly thereafter. And uh, yeah, they just kind of cruised that the rest of the way. And I thought that the Flames did a very good job, especially after Clayton Keller scored early in the second period, to just manage the Coyotes uh, through the second period and not really do anything too egregious to, uh, you know, leave themselves open for Arizona to take advantage. Yeah, I thought there was a few times there in the second one. I thought, crap, the Flames are going to blow this lead. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the 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 Coyotes really came on in the second. And, I, you know, they only got one goal, which I think is a testament to everyone on the Flames, the defensemen, the goalie, everybody. But there's a few times there I was watching the game being like, this lead is going to slip away. And it's going to be a very different story if you were up 3 nothing and then end up tied 4-4. Yeah, and like that was the thing that I was watching for. Uh, what because that goal only happened like a minute and a half into the second period that it's like okay, how are the next five ten minutes gonna go and Cal and they did you know, the Coyotes did take over for yeah them. but like they managed to weather that storm effectively and didn't really surrender a ton of high danger chances and the ones that did get through Markstrom was there for. And, you know, you were talking about Vamelka. He only played 14 minutes. Most of this game went to Connor Ingram. And, I mean, I've never thought Connor Ingram's an NHL starter. He looked like about what I expect Connor Ingram to look like. Well, uh, the weird thing is with uh, Ingram is that he's actually the NHL's leader in shutouts this year. 
which is like the most bizarre stat I've ever heard. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm probably a leader too. I have zero shutouts and in zero games, so I have 100% NHL shutouts. Well, he actually has four, so it's okay. Um, I, in how many games? Uh, I think 19. So okay. So he's not doing too. That's bad. kind of your definition of your backup, right? You put him against the bad teams, and he does well. Oh, it's five now. He shut out uh, okay. Minnesota yesterday, so. Uh, and uh, this games. is really going to tank Vamelka's save percentage. He had point six six seven on the night. Yeah, if you're doing under point seven, you're into Oilers territory. <laughs> That's why he got yanked. Yep. And then in one of the more odd games to watch on TV, the Calgary Flames wore their red jerseys on the road in Vegas against the Las Vegas Knights wearing their off-white Heritage Classic jerseys as the Flames and their dad rolled into Sin City. And the Calgary Flames end up with a 3-1 to one win over a very injured Golden Knights team. What were your thoughts here, Matt? Uh, you could tell that Vegas had a lot of injuries uh, because a lot of their players were not very good. Um, I thought that was the worst performance I've seen by Vegas in a Flames game since they've been a team. Um, like, the Flames just ran over them um, throughout the game. Like, there, it did not really seem like a too much of a dangerous game uh until like the last minute where vegas but yet those are the games the flames usually find a way to choke on yeah and credit to markstrom for uh being a little bit of a wizard in the last minute and a half uh <laughs> when vegas was really pushing vegas really pushed there and i i was just like last game i was worried this one was going to slip away yeah and thankfully the flames ate the clock and markstrom held the fort and yeah, the, I was not expecting them to win a game this week. And, you know, they thoroughly kicked the butt of all three. So, yeah. You and I, uh, I predicted three losses. You predicted just to be different, an Ottawa win and Phoenix and Vegas losses. So you got one one win correct. But, yeah, we were both very pessimistic this week after, I think, rightfully what we've seen going up to this. Yeah, and... You know, to their credit, the Flames have been playing a lot better. Uh, like the power play, for example, I do want to touch on. Like, their power play now actually looks like a dangerous power play. Um, you can tell they've been working on that a lot uh, through the last month and a half. Because, um, like, the games in November, uh, like, I remember uh, complaining at times where, you know, like all five guys are just standing and making passes to each other and effectively killing their own power play. And like the lately, the the power plays have been rather dynamic in how they're moving their feet and adjusting, making the defense uh, move around a lot and creating openings to take shots instead of just standing around. Yeah, it's definitely looking a lot better. And and I think, you know, that's one of those things that they probably needed to just have time to work through Savard's new plan. Yeah, and, you know, like it, it's one of those things that uh, Huberto's been playing significantly better of late. Um, it, and the power play is looking a lot better. And, you know, if those two things continue, like this team's a lot, their makeup is a lot different. It's just seeing exactly where the needle is for wrap up this Vegas game. Um, in the third period, there was a penalty to Pospisil and the referee announced it as grabbing the visor. So I reached in the bookshelf behind me here and grabbed the official NHL rule book. There is no grabbing the visor penalty. 
So it's gone down officially as an unsportsmanlike penalty. But I'm like, I've never heard of this. Yeah. I know. I. Yeah. And when the refs just making up penalties, it's like, hmm, maybe the NHL doesn't have bad officiating. <laughs> yeah, it's something. Go sit down. <laughs> I don't like what you did. Sit and think about yes. it. Yes. <laughs> like, grabbing the vest you know is you not did. in the rule book. <laughs> That's right. Just, just have the dad stare the guy down. Yep. I'm disappointed, or, son. <laughs> or wait till the mom's trip and they say, wait till your dad gets on this trip. It's like when, you're, when your parents just say, wait till your dad gets home. Um, yeah, so I thought that was a weird penalty call. And then also in this one, Manjapani gets his 200th career point. I don't think the Flames would have looked this good against a full-strength Vegas Knights team. But right now... They really need two points over they can get them. Yeah, and realistically, like, this is not the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, Like, when you're... That you'd see in yeah, the playoffs. like, you know, like, when you're missing Jack Eichel and, like, five other guys, you know, you're not going to be playing too well. So, you know, Calgary did what they needed to do and did, once again did not play down to the level of their opposition. So... And... The thing I was really impressed about in these two games is you look, you got to look at the travel the Flames have had over 11,000 kilometers in the last week. Since the start of the month, they've gone from Minnesota to Nashville to Philadelphia to Chicago, back home, then to Arizona, then to Vegas. They put on a lot of miles and to still be able to play the way they did, you could tell they were getting tired at some points, but to not fully run out of gas by that Vegas game. I think also says something about this team. Yeah, and you could kind of tell, like, in the Philadelphia-Chicago games at times, they were running a little low, but they found their sea legs a bit and uh, through the last three games. And and I think even when we were talking about, you know, um, the Coyotes coming back or the Golden Knights coming back, I think some of that was probably fatigue on the Flames part. Yeah, and, you know, you look at the seven games that they played – Going five and two, especially with the slate of teams that they had to face, like that's a really impressive mark. And uh, you know, it's tough to win a lot and get back into a playoff race. And you know, a lot of people talk about like how Edmonton's like won eighteen of their last twenty one, and yet like they're only two points ahead of us, and like we were basically in the same portion of the standings when their streak began so well let's take a look at that shall we the wild card spots yeah in the western conference pacific division vancouver is number one i didn't think that would happen this year yeah you can tell that hell is frozen over vancouver and winnipeg are the two best teams in the nhl (laughs) uh yeah and it feels like it outside too um vegas second in the division at 53 la third at 48 Nashville holds the first wild card slot at 49 points, Edmonton at 47, and then Calgary at 45 points. So they're only they're uh what three points out of the second wild card spot, but Edmonton has I think four games at hand. Yeah. So, you know, yes, Calgary has more or is getting close in points, but Calgary has played the most games, I think, of the entire Western Conference at this point. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. that's why, like, over the next 15 days, the Flames only play six games because you've got to let everybody catch up. Well, also because, you know, they, they need to actually get home and sleep. Well, in their own beds. trivialities, you know, they're supposed to be robots. Just send them here, there, everywhere. Who cares? Just charge them up on the bench. Yep. 
Yeah, um, go beat yeah. that team. Okay, fine. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, so the Flames doing okay. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, though, I mean, you know, we're seeing the Flames inch closer to that wildcard spot. And you and I have talked about maybe the playoffs aren't the best thing for the Calgary Flames this year. With where the Flames are now and what we're seeing in the Western Conference, first off, do you think they're do you, are you starting to get excited they might clinch a wild card spot? And secondly, do you think that if they do, they're going to make it any further than round one? I am still skeptical of this team just because Jacob Markstrom, frankly, is on a, a huge run over the last 10 games. Uh, like, I think he has like a 939 save percentage or something ridiculous over the last 10. Um, it. How would you say the Flames, like, they need to just keep winning, frankly. Uh, there are so many teams that are in the middle zone in the NHL currently. And, like, if you look at the standings, the Flames are seven points out of being a top ten team in the NHL and six points out of being the sixth worst team in the NHL. So, like, there are so many teams right now that are in that middle zone where you can, you know, go from one week to the next where you're in a playoff spot and then you're in 13th. And, you know, like, it, it's... I think more than we've seen in the past, this season is going to come down to April games. Like, a lot of times those April games are meaningless. I think there's going to be quite a few stakes for them this year. Yeah, well, like, you look at... Uh, I'm just going to talk about the Eastern Conference for a minute. Uh, like the Metropolitan Division, you have the Carolina Hurricanes as the second best team in their division uh, with 53 points, and the Washington Capitals are the second worst team with 46. You know, like that that's literally like a five-game winning streak and, a, you know, a couple games of just, you know, 500 away from flipping the whole table. Like it, it's frankly nuts at this point. Uh, that yeah, there I mean, are so even, in the, even in the West... Right, we we're just talking about how close it is, and even if we go past Calgary, Nashville's got the first wild card spot of forty nine, Edmonton forty seven, Seattle's tied at forty seven, Calgary's got forty five, St. Louis has forty four, Arizona has forty four, like and L A, who's the third place team in our division, they have forty eight, so they're right in that. But that's what seven teams within four points of each other. Yeah, and it's just ridiculous right now, and. You know, it, it's tough because it's hard to make long-term decisions based off of, um, you know, like what to do with a bunch of people. But at the same time, it also gives some pause and makes you reflect on maybe you don't necessarily need to trade everybody. But, you know, and it's identifying, like, uh, say, like, of the three mo uh, UFAs, which is the most important guy to keep and, you know, evaluate all of those kind of situations because there is still a month and a half between now and the trade deadline. To me, because it is so close and like you said, you could either be in or out very quickly. I don't think you can change your strategy. I think if the strategy was trade away the UFAs, you can't get signed by, let's say, the deadline um, or, you know, don't even offer them one all the deal, but I think you'll probably see my gut right now. Matt tells me that we see Hannafin stay and the other two leave. Um, and if that's the case, I think you have to stay with that plan. Like, yes, we can make the playoffs. I don't think this is the flames year either way. So I don't think you can go out and do, you know, like a couple years ago when they were giving 
first and second round picks for third line centers and stuff like that. Like you can't go do that. You can't make a Toffoli deal the deadline. You can't add for a playoff run this year is my thought. You've just got to stay with the plan. And if you make it great, if you don't, well, that's okay too. Yeah. And realistically, you know, like because of how close everything are, you know, like if you trade a Lindholm and you trade a Tanev, say, and you keep Hannafin, like, this team is going to sink in the standings, and it's not a far fall to go from being in the playoff hunt to being, like, a top six, top five pick. Yeah, and, you know, I think even if the even if the Flames do get in, we can both agree, I think, they're not going anywhere. Like, this is not their year to probably make it out around one or two, so why mortgage the future another mid-round exit yeah because like realistically like you know assuming things stay relatively stable if the flames are one of the wild card teams well then you're going to be playing one of like vegas or uh, vancouver winnipeg or uh Colorado. and they're not making another wild card no and if they win uh, the third spot in our division well, then you're going to be playing either Vegas or Vancouver in the first round. And similarly, yeah, that ain't going to happen. So, uh, you know. You know, and I, I guess the way I look at it is if we get to the playoffs, great. It gives guys like Zari and Pospisil some playoff experience. You know, it lets them see what it's like to be in the NHL and try a playoff round. But I, I don't want us to go out and mortgage anything or keep guys that are then going to walk away for nothing. Like, to me, you've still got to execute the plan. And if we let the chips fall where the chips fall. Yeah, like it would be like literally the worst case scenario would be that the Flames keep everybody and either make the playoffs or just miss and then lose like Tanev and Lindholm and those assets. Just like the year we made the playoffs and then lost Johnny and Matthew, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like if you look at like say like the likely return of being like a couple of first round draft picks for those two guys plus other things like you know the flames need to start adding some high quality prospects like they do have some guys in the organization that are good but you know if especially with our drafting record of late if you can add more guys that are high quality then you know like we can transition into being a top tier team again relatively quickly. And that's one of the reasons why, like I wouldn't be opposed to the flames keeping Hannafin, uh, because of his age that, um, like of the three, he makes the most sense to me. Yeah. Like he's literally the only guy that makes 100% sense. Lindholm is a close second, but I just don't think the flames and Lindholm are going to come together on money. No. And I think that's exactly the issue. And I could see a scenario where Lindholm comes back in the summer once he's talked to other teams and realized nobody's going to give him the money he wants. Yeah. But I think with him, he's got to go July 1st to see what the market will bear. And some somebody's going to overpay him. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't mind him back if it was like the number started with a 7 or a low 8. But... Uh, I don't even want to go to 8. Yeah. It's one of those where... You know, like I look at uh, Lindholm and Kadri, and I'm looking at the pair of them, and I'm going, "Well, what does Lindholm do that Kadri doesn't at this point?" Yeah. And they're virtually identical in my book. Um, and Kadri's costing us seven, and I don't think you need two of them. No, to me, 
the big difference between them is Kadri has been more. Kadri's found his place this year. He's playing with the kids. He's looked better, I think, as a player. And I think Kadri's got a little more grit to him than Lindholm too. So you can play him in more scenarios. Yeah, I agree. And like that's where you know, and seeing like the point totals and all of that. You know, like, that's where, like, that number being in the 7 to 8 range makes a lot more sense for Lindholm. It's just that, like, it, you know, he is 28 now. I don't want to see that contract going until he's 35. Um, no. And I have to imagine if you're Craig Conroy, like, you've inherited some long deals here. Like, you know, you've inherited Kadri, you've inherited Huberto. I have to imagine, especially with us not knowing how much the cap's going up every year, I have to imagine Conroy is going to be looking to get a lot of guys in the you know four or five year range just for some certainty and a little bit of a, a better ability to pivot yeah and like realistically you know like having guys like sharon govich come in uh who's on a two-year deal and like even longer term guys like backland and coleman having three years on their deal you know left uh that you know, that allows the team to figure things out without being really hamstrung by anybody. And, you know, like, it, you're going to need to transition and get younger guys in there, the Coronados, the Hansigs, you know, and, you know, all of those type of players and, you know, and whomever you draft this year and, you know, start getting those guys in there. You know, it, it's hard if you're, like pressed fully up at the cap because if so-and-so does really good and you can't trade anybody because they're on stink contracts, then, you know, you're in, you know, the same situation we were with Kachuk. The only thing I could see change in the flame strategy is potentially not moving Markstrom at the deadline. If they think they've got to go at it. I think if you're going to move Markstrom, this is the time to do it because whatever team acquires him will get three playoff runs with them. And if I'm a GM, looking to bring in a, a top goalie. I want as many playoff runs as I can, but if the Flames think they can make a run for it, I could see them waiting until the offseason to potentially trade him. Yeah, and... Which I, is, I'm not opposed to, and sometimes the offseason is a better time when teams know there might be more buyers, there might be less buyers, but that's the only thing I could see of the trades they might make sort of being moved to later yeah and like greg millen on the broadcast in vegas uh he brought up that like it, you know it's hard to get a good quality goaltender um like markstrom and you know like it's foolish uh to trade a guy that's playing that well but you know it, it's one of those where calgary's in a bit of a weird pickle where they're both not bad enough to be good and too good to be bad. And, you know, like, it, it you kind of need to have the goaltending at the right time. And, you know, if he's hampering our abilities, you know, it, it, in the negative way of getting a good draft pick, like, that also hurts the team. And I think if the Flames didn't have anyone in the pipeline, it'd be a different story as well. Yeah. You know, if it was... You know, two, three years ago, and we had one goaltender, and, you know, Mason McDonald was the next guy up, essentially. Um, that's very different. But I think with Vladar, with Wolf, I think, you know, you have a little more flexibility if you're saying, you know what, we're willing to take a bit of a step back to get some assets. Because when you sell, when you're 
brave enough to sell high. And I'm using that word brave for that reason. I think sometimes it's easy to just keep your asset when they're playing well. But when you're brave enough to sell high, you're going to get a great return. But you have to be willing to take that step back. Yeah, and, like, it would be a gut punch to the team. Like, I, I'm not saying it wouldn't. Like, Markstrom has been absolutely fantastic this year. Um, same Vesna caliber form he was two years ago. And, you know, it, he's been one of the top four or five goalies in the league, uh, frankly. Especially the last, like, 10 or 15 games since uh, he returned from injury. Like, he has just been virtually unbeatable. Um it's just one of those where if you can get the right return, it needs to happen. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the time to sell him is now. And based on what we've seen of him, not only in his time in Calgary, but his career, you don't know what next year is going to be. Well, it, next year could be like last year. Next year could be injury ridden. Like to me, this is a guy you got to sell high on. While I'll say it this way. Well, we probably don't need him for next year. Yeah, and you look at his age, too. Um, like, it, this would be a different conversation if he was, like, 28. Like, if he was 28 and playing this well, you keep him and you just, you know, figure things out he around 33 him. turning 34 on January 31st. Yeah, and it, it's one of those where, like, yeah, he's great now, but in like the last year of his contract he's gonna probably just be an okay starter and i think if you wait it would almost be like the aginla trade you know you would we waited too long to trade aginla and we got peanuts for him because of that yeah exactly and you know there are teams out there and you know you look at like a team like new jersey they have a bunch of good goalie prospects as well as uh like vtech vanacek you look at Toronto, they have a number of goaltenders. Like, you know, you can get somebody back to be, like, a fill-in guy for a bit. Um, it, it'll just be interesting to see how they manage all of the things. And while we're talking about goalies, we got an interesting question this week from one of our listeners, Al, who emailed it in. I thought it fits with this discussion. He says, why the bleep are they playing... Uh, why oh why is the bleep being played out of Markstrom and or why are Vladar and Wolf not be given more exposure? So I was wondering why do they keep going to Markstrom and not giving the other two guys exposure? Um, I'll answer this first and then I'll get your thoughts on it, Matt. I think when you're running for a playoff spot, which I still think the Flames are, and I think that they are still trying to make a run out of this, you've got to play your guy that's hot. And he's playing a lot better than he was last year. He, Markstrom playing now is the right guy to play. I don't think they've overplayed him by any means. I mean, he was out for a while. We saw the other two goalies in. Um, I want to look at how many starts Markstrom's had this year, but um, I don't think that they're overplaying him by any means. It's not like he's going to end the season with, you know, 70 starts by the time it's all said and done. He's got 26 starts right now, and the Flames have played just over 40, 40 games. So really he's played, you know, I would say the right amount. Um, but I don't think, I, I think you can't just, what, bench Markstrom, play the other two guys? Like, I think as long as Markstrom's on the team, he's got to be the starter. I think we got a better look at what we have in Wolf and what we have in Vladar. I don't think you see Wolf here until Markstrom's gone, because what good is Wolf sitting on the bench, right? You're yeah. not going to sit Markstrom and play Wolf. Wolf's better playing in the American League. And I think we're seeing Vladar a lot more than I expect to so far this year. Yeah, and, you know, it... 
it has been more of a 1A, 1B uh, with Markstrom and Vladar uh, than in the past, but, um, you know, the injury definitely helped that particular situation, but, um, no, and, like, realistically, any trade that the Flames make to get, uh, like, move uh, Markstrom, like, they're likely going to get a goalie back just as a filler guy, uh, just, you know, because teams that trade goaltenders you for a goalie tend to need to move one. Uh, sort of like uh, L.A. last year when they got Corpusalo, they had to move quick. You want Samsonov? Sure. Why not? Like, I honestly don't care. Like, if it's Vanacek or... Whoever Sam- it is isn't going to play, yeah. right? It's going to be Vidar's net at that point. Yeah, and, you know, if it, either of them return any value whatsoever, great. If they don't, great. Who cares? Like, uh, you know... It, Wolf is the guy moving forward. It's just uh, figuring out how to get you know, from here to there. And, you know, like the Flames are kind of in that, you know, like they still need another year for Wolf, like the rest of this season, uh, for Wolf to get another good playoff run in him and then, you know, be the backup next year and then start working his way up. Yeah, and I don't want to count Dan Vladar either. Like, I think every time I see Vladar, he's looked a lot more solid this year than last year. Last year, he had some really shaky games. I can't think of one bad Dan Vladar game this year. Um, I think, you know, we've got Son of Vladar too, and whether he stays here as a backup long-term, whether he's a transitional starter, whether they play a 1A, 1B while Wolf is, you know, coming through, I don't know, but I, I think you've got two great goalies there, but you can't just sit marks from down. Like, I think... The injury was actually a good thing for the team because it let us see what we had in the other two guys. A chance you probably wouldn't have got without that. But I think also if you want to trade a guy, he's got to be playing because the more he plays, the more you can audition how good he is. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's one of those where, like, if the Flames are in this retool mode, having that flexibility to have, you know, like say you get Samson off or Vanacek, you know, you're going to be able to have both those guys have the open door to see, you know, who's going to be here beyond. And you can either flip or just let people go and, you know, audition more fully and see what is there. And, you know, it's like sometimes goalies, because they're weird, need just a change of scenery. <laughs> And we've seen that a number of times. So do players, too, though. Yeah. Like, how many places did Aiden Hill play at before hitting Vegas and striking gold there? Like, he was their fourth goalie at one point last year and, you know, ended up being the, the Stanley Cup hero. So, and he's been great this year, too. So, you know, it, it's one of those that basically until you have things sorted, you might as well just cycle everybody through. Dan Vladar's in his third year as a flame. His first year he played 23 games and one playoff game. Last year he played 27, and this year he's at 13 games played already. So I think the fact that, I mean, if you look at that, he's on track for probably 26, 27, maybe even 30 at this rate. I think the fact that he's probably going to match or beat his career high shows that there is some confidence in the guy. Oh, yeah. And, like, his stats do not reflect well because they're just not very good. Uh, but, um, 
on the whole, I feel that he's had a as good of a season as he did last year, if not a little better. Yeah, this year his uh, his goal goals against average is three point four two. Last year's two point nine one. He has point eighty three save percentage. Last year's eight point nine five. And so far he's six five and two. And last year's fourteen six and five. So. You know, I think we've seen him mature, and I think we've seen, you know, I think that there's going to be a real conversation about what to do with him and Wolf next year. But to answer Al's question, I think you've got to run Markstrom until you think you're out of it. And I think if the Flames are out of it at the deadline, I think you might see, you know, Wolf come up and get some more gains. But until then, I mean, you know, I've made my thoughts on tanking clear in this on this podcast before. I don't think you just want to sit your best goalie down and say, you know, we're here to lose. No, you gotta, you gotta, pl- you gotta play like you're gonna win. And in order to win, Markstrom needs to be. No, next. and how would you say it's having respect for your own organization? Where, you know, if the players are playing well enough, where they earn a playoff spot, well, damn well they deserve it. You know, and you know the guys are playing well enough where they're in the hunt, and whether that continues or not is entirely up to them but you know you you can't hamstring them repeatedly um you got to give them the best chance to win and the best chance to win is with markstrom and yeah yeah and 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 you do see things on occasion where uh you know like uh zadorov getting traded early in the season but that was i think more to get rid of a distraction more than anything yeah, I mean, he asked to leave, so they let him out. Yeah. Another thought I had here, Matt, switching from the, I guess, the back end of the Flames lineup in net to up in the up in the uh, rafters where we see the GM. Does it seem like Craig Conroy has been eerily quiet this year? Like, we all saw his big press conference at the beginning of the year when he was hired and he talked about wanting to get younger. He did a radio hit with uh, Pat Steinberg this past week. But yet we've seen some guys like Don Maloney talking recently, and Maloney's not all that charismatic. I thought we'd see a lot more from Conroy when he got in the GM job because the man loves to talk. And it just seems like, especially in a year when there's been some uncertainty, maybe having Conroy talk to the media a little bit more might have helped to calm some fires. I don't know. It just seems like he's been eerily quiet to me. Well, frankly, because of the fact that this team has been in that, oh, well, we're going to blow it up, surely. And then, uh, maybe not, (laughs) you know, it's hard to, you know, basically throw out the plan that was like, I think the plan that was, was that this team was going to rebound and be a playoff team. Uh, but then like the first 10 games happened and it's like, Oh no, (laughs) red alert. And, um, you know, and, but even then, like, you know, I don't think that he did a media conference when they made the Zadorov trade, which they usually would. He didn't do a media conference when Shillington was uh, sent down. They just put out a written statement from him. Like, it seems like those are the kind of things that Tree Living and most other GMs would have sat in front of a mic for. Well, and I'm going to give Conant Roy the benefit of the doubt because, like, you got to figure that, like, if you're trying to work out trades for Lindholm, Hannafin, Tanev, Markstrom, like, you're going to be talking on the phone all damn day. Like, you know, trying to figure out which teams actually might want those guys, what their prospect pools are like, trying to coordinate scouts to see those prospects. Okay, so so let me put this you differently know. then. Do you think that the front office has been nearly quiet? Because you could send notice, you could send 
Maloney to have those discussions. It just seems like we've heard a lot less out of the brass than we usually would. Yeah, and it makes sense. Like, and I think that's why, like, you saw Maloney last week, um, and like Conroy once uh, on with Steinberg, and I think I'm also wondering if there's some worry about maybe Conroy. Conroy likes to talk, and Connie likes to tell stories, and I wonder maybe there's some concern that Connie will chat about things he shouldn't be chatting about. I don't, I, I'm not necessarily concerned about that specifically. Like, honestly, I think that, like, if Tree was still the GM, that you might have only heard from him maybe one more time than what we've heard from Conroy this year, just because of the fact that, like, the whole, like, modus operandi of the team kind of got thrown out after the first 10 games, you know, and it's not like, oh, well, we're building for a contender, we're into a quasi-rebuild. Yeah, that's true. And you and I have talked about trying to figure out where they're going next. And it, it and it's hard to logistically to pivot and be effective at it because, uh, you know, like if you're going from being a contender mode to trying to transition, like you get trades like the Fanuf trade, where like you don't necessarily get the best return because you're you're trying to do too much too fast and. I think that, you know, like, the Flames are trying to make sure that, like, if they are going to trade the Lindholms, the Hannafins, the Tanovs, that they're getting legit value back and not just making trades to make trades. And, you know, and, like, they were very successful with the Toffoli trade, getting Sharon Govich and Sunayev out of that. And, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see, especially as the next month and a bit unfolds, if and when they pull the triggers on moving certain people, like what they'll actually get in return. You've convinced me. You've convinced me that he's not trying to hide from us. I thought maybe they're trying to hide him away, that maybe somebody would ask someone like, so what's going on with Lindholm? And Connor being Connor would start telling you about all the phone calls he's made this week. And yeah. you, you've, con you've convinced me. Yeah. Because it, um, it really is hard to completely shift your strategy. Like, in... And in, like, no time. It, uh, because, like, the Flames, frankly, after getting burned with the Gaudreau situation uh, specifically, that, like, they, they can't do that again. And, like, they need to get either have pen to paper on a contract with whomever they deem worthy of that, or they need to move that asset. Like, there can't be any ambiguity anymore because of getting burned like that. And we know that Conroy likes to do the scouting part, and he's talked about how he's still going to do that. So I could also see him being out looking at other teams' guys. Like, he wasn't on the recent road trip to Chicago. Um, maybe he's out, you know, looking at some guys as potential returns. So, yeah, and now that you mention, I can see it. Mm -hmm. um, good news for the Wranglers. They're getting some extra bodies, Matt. Yeah, I know. They've got Jacob Pelty and Kevin Rooney sent down there. They have yet to play, but both guys have been sent down. Oliver Shillington made his Wranglers debut and then got hurt. He played one game and then got a groin injury, so sat out the Saturday game. The NHL has gone to the to the or the Flames have gone to the NHL and petitioned for an extension to his conditioning stint, so he'll get one more game there. You never want to see somebody hurt, but I think it's kind of funny. This guy comes off of a uh, you know two years of almost two years sitting on the shelf and gets hurt right away. But I've been doing some research into it. Apparently, it's fairly common when you're coming back not having been at that level. Um, Megan Mickelson on the radio said when she came back from having her son 
she took she messed up her groin just going over the boards. Yeah. And and it makes sense. Like those muscles need to be elastic in order to move effectively. And when you're going from not doing those things to all of a sudden needing it like full speed, you're gonna pull things and tweak things and the muscles are just not gonna be well, like you can imagine, like if you're not working out for an extended period of time and then all of a sudden you hit the gym and then you, you can't move the next day. <laughs> it's basically the same equivalent. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure that it won't be a long term thing. He might miss another game, but he'll be back soon. And, you know. Well, and the nice thing in the American League is they play generally on weekends, right? So he was out the Saturday game. So they play next on Friday. I bet he'll be there for that. Yeah. Um, but you know, he looked pretty good in his one game. I watched, uh, that game on AHL TV online. I couldn't be there in the dome, but you know, do I think he's ready to, to come back full time yet? I don't know. I need to see more than one game. Um, but I think it's, it's good to see him back on the ice. Yeah. And you could definitely tell that the wheels and the mind were still there. Um, just a lot of rust because like you, I, like you, I watched that also on AHL TV and yeah, he he's about 70%. And, you know, like, it's one of those where it takes a little bit of time to shake off the rust and, uh, you know, get the legs properly under you and all that. But, like, the offensive instincts are still there. And, you know, we'll just have to wait and see how long it'll take. But it looks like he'll be more like the player that he was right before he left then like the year prior to that iteration. Looking at the two forwards, Jacob Peltier and Kevin Rooney, neither one has played yet. I don't think they're 100%, but when they are, we know they'll get some HL time. That's why they got sent down. But how do you think those guys factor into the Calgary Flames lineup? I'll go first on this one. I don't think Rooney comes up. I think like last year, he'll stay in the American League. Once he was down there, he stayed there. I think Peltier is destined to come back up as far as who comes out for him. Yeah, I, was gonna say, I think it's going to be uh, Walker Dewar. Um, yeah. And like, realistically, uh, the only person I could see Rooney displacing would be, uh, possibly Dylan Dubé. If he does not, you know, continue his little bit. I can see Ruchichka too. Ruchichka hasn't looked all that great. Yeah. And that's only like, if Rooney is more like the New York Rangers version of Rooney, where he was actually an effective fourth liner, not, what he was last year yeah and you know i mean even even right now walker doer is not in um not in the lineup so if they're gonna bring if they're gonna bring peltier in i mean he's got to replace one of the top 12 and i think dube is probably the most likely even though i don't think you want 2.3 million dollars worth of player watching the game from the press box I could also see Martin Pospisil get sent. Well, I guess you can't send him back down because he he has clear waivers, but I could see him um, riding the pine a little bit. Yeah, I think that you might see a rotation between the four guys, Ruzitska, Peltier, uh, Dubé, and uh, Pospisil. Um, And three of those guys play, one doesn't, and go from there. Yeah, I think at this point we know what we have in Pospisil. Um, And I think... I think you could definitely take him out at this point if you need to and rotate them or move. Like, I guess the question is, if you take somebody out, like Pelty is a winger, Dubé is a winger. I could see moving Postal to the bottom line and take Rajichko, but he's not a center. Like, you're still one short of center in this whole equation. Yeah. 
So what I'm hearing is that, you know, when they make a trade, they need to get a young center to throw in the depth lines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, because, I mean, Huberto, Lindholm, Sharon Govich, Coleman, Backlund, Manjapani, none of those guys are coming out. Kadri doesn't come out. Um, Zari doesn't come out. Greer doesn't come out. So you're down to possible Dubé, Rajichka as the last three forwards possible. Yeah. And I, I think if the Flames are the point that they're going to be having Dylan Dubé watching the game, I think that's when you know he's done as a Flame. Yeah. You know, I mean, you you mentioned this too. I could see him not getting tendered and just say, you know what, Dylan, run out of the year. Yeah, well, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if the Flames traded him either. You know, even if they got like a fifth-round pick for him just to, you know, move the contract out. Yeah, for sure. I could see that. And I wouldn't be surprised either if you see Rajichka. I don't think getting for Rajichka by himself, but I could see Rajichka being a throw-in on another deal. So they'll yep. have some room for sure. Um, what do you think of Rooney, though? Do you think Rooney comes up? Uh, he might um, later, like after the trade deadline, possibly. But I, I would lean towards no. I, I think that the Flames, like if they're in sell-off mode, that they would be more likely to bring up the guys like Cole Schwint, uh, Matthias Pedersen. Uh, like that kind of guy, uh, you know, obviously Coronado. You know what you've got in Kevin Rooney, right? Yeah. The centers they have down there, all list names you say more or less likely to come up than uh, than Rooney. How about that? Yep. Cole Schwint. Yes, definitely. More likely, I think. Ilya Nikolaev. Yes. I think more likely. Ben Jones, I think more likely. Yeah. Clark Bishop, less likely. About equal. Um... Mark Russell, <laughs> less likely. Don't even know who the guy is. He doesn't even have a picture on the website. Probably Off brand Chris Russell. Russell. Yes. Like like he's you know an Eastern an Easterner saying it's time to Russell. Um, I think he's some <laughs> ECHL call up. Um, and that's really it for centers. And I think if you're gonna pull a guy up long term, it's gonna be Coronado and not Rooney. Yeah, exactly. And, and this is Rooney's last year on his deal, too, I think. So I, I think of this after this, you know, you just put him in the HL, put him there for a run, and, you know, let him ride off into the sunset. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, like, frankly, the Wranglers need some veteran leadership heading into the playoffs, and I think that's where he'll be most valuable. Uh, we'll see. I, I think that it, I would have to say of all the guys down on the farm other than Coronado that the guy that I would most expect to make his debut at some point this year would be Cole Schwind. Just Yeah, to, I think so. Cole Schwind came over in that Kachuk deal. And I think that we need to see what we've got there. Yeah. Even if it's only just to, you know, give him the taste of this is what the NHL is. Go work in the off season to be here all the time. Yeah. Um, and I think if you want to pull up like a more veteran winger, I think they'll, I could see them giving Dryden Hunt another look because mm -hmm. he was the last cut at camp, I believe. Yeah. But I, I have a strong feeling Walker Dewar and, uh, Jacob Peltier are going to switch spots at some point. So Matt, that brings us to two more questions from our listeners. Both of them came from Al, the same guy who wrote to us about the goalies earlier. Al had a lot to say this week and a lot to get off his chest. I think Al was feeling like us last week that uh, the Flames were going in a bit of a different direction than we all started. So he has sort of both a positive and a negative. He says, on the optimistic side, it maybe says something when the organization runs an ad campaign 
offering a 20% discount for late in the season ticket sales like they did over the holidays. Um, so I guess, you know, he's thinking that these guys, I'm not sure where the optimism comes in, but yeah, I mean, Al, I see where you're coming from that maybe they're thinking that they're going to be doing rebuild and trying to get people in. I think there's probably a lot more that's going into that sale too. I think the economy right now is tough to sell full price tickets. And Matt, you know more about the ticket market than me. I have to imagine those April games and March games just don't sell as well in general. Well, it basically, like if you're selling before the season starts, like, and you're allowing people to pick any games, the March and April games go by almost immediately. Uh, but because of how last season was, um, like, you know, the expectation for this team was a lot lower. Uh, so you know like the handful of tickets that i have available for sale myself um like i have yet to sell any from march or april yet um so uh yeah it's one of those where like every other month it it's been cleared out but uh yeah those ones have not really sold too well which makes sense because, you know, and I think like, right now too, with the team not doing well, yeah, I can see where Al's coming from. Less people are going to want to see this team in March because there might not be a lot to see. Yeah. Um. So you know, I get where you're coming from, Al. But you know, Matt, even when I think back, like they've often done fan appreciation stuff and whatnot just to get people in the arena in April. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think for a lot of people, they'd rather if the team's going to the playoffs. From what I've seen, people are saving their money for a playoff game rather than going to a meaningless April game. I agree. Unless you're battling for the playoffs at that point. If you've clinched, I've been to some of those games in those months and they're, they're offering discounts to fill the place up. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe you're right, Alan, maybe, you know, if the flames don't make the playoffs and they go on a bit of a protracted rebuild, if you will, maybe we'll start to see some ticket prices going down. But I think there's a whole bunch of things going into this right now. Um, in terms of, you know, just maybe people not being able to afford to go to the Flames. And then he also says, seems like the Flames are at least starting to show a little bit of life um, playing like a team. Still no team identity yet, though. My guess is this will stall until after the necessary trades are made. Hence, unlikely we will change the performance record much. Well, you know, he could be right there. I mean, they had three wins this week, but... You know, I can totally see after three win week having a three loss week. Like this team is still very much, as we've mentioned, on that seesaw where they can go either way. I I'm with Al in some ways here. I still don't know what the Flames' identity is. I think the Flames still feel like guys are just trying to figure things out. Yeah, it this team seems to be kind of split down the middle where you have guys the veteran certain veteran guys like Kadri, Backland, and Coleman who give you 100% of what they are every game, basically. Um, And, like, they're fairly consistent most of the time. Um, Then you have guys that are a little bit up and down, um, and in some cases mostly down, which are the guys like Lindholm, Manjapane, Dubé, Huberto, um, who are a little bit all over the map. And then you have the identity of all the kids that have come up where it's just hard work all the time. And, you know, like you're seeing a lot of good results with um, Zari being put with uh, Kadri because they're both that that type of player where they're giving it their all all the time. Uh, but we'll see. Um, 
you know, and I think that's part of like getting that identity is transitioning away from players that aren't fitting that hardworking ethic. Um, and it's funny. I was looking for the Daryl Sutter style without Daryl Sutter. Yeah, pretty much. And like you're starting to see, you know, at, like of late, where like uh, Manjapane, Lindholm, and Huberdo and Sharon Govich have like really embraced um the more hard work high tempo game a bit and like their results on the ice have been a lot better over the last month or so and you know it's one of those that like the play of guys like um zari and pospisil is kind of rubbing off on everybody else and you know like peltier brought that when he played last year as well where it, you know just that go that each of those players have and i think that we're starting to see that kind of mentality we're starting to, but i don't think we're seeing enough where we could call the flames identity no and that's where uh like i think al's correct that like we're kind of in this holding pattern until the shoe drops and then you know you'll see more young guys getting brought in who have that identity and you know start to build on that Yeah, and I think even after the deadline, you're not going to see that identity built until next year when, you know, these guys really have a chance to work with the coach and buy into things and that sort of thing. Yeah. So thanks for sending those in, Al. We appreciate it. Uh, You've got three of your comments that made it in this week. You can always get a hold of us if you want to, like Al. Email us, our email address on the website, firesidechat.ca, or get a hold of us through any of our social media. I won't read them all out here, but if you go to firesidechat.ca, all the links are at the top. Um, the best one or the one we're most active on is Twitter or X at Fireside Podcast. And if you want to talk to us, Matt, we got another great opportunity coming up. Um, I, we both had so much fun in December when we went to Bow River Brewing and had our meetup. They've decided to bring us back. It's the, the podcast so nice they want to host us twice. They're bringing us in on February 8th. This time to do something a little bit different. Instead of just a meetup, we're going to do Flames Trivia Night. Matt and I are going to be there. We're going to be hosting Flames Trivia, Bow River Brewing, and we're going to make sure there's a prize pack there for the trivia winners. So Bow River's decided that they'll kick in 12 beers of your choice from their collection. You can get 12 of the same, make your own 12 pack, whatever you want. Matt and I have some fireside chat merchandise in there, some exclusive stuff, and we're going to have some flame stuff as well. So we hope everyone can come out. If you want some more information on it, it's February 8th. It'll be on our website, firesidechat.ca. You'll see Trivia Night in the navigation at the top of the website, or you'll be able to find it on our social media over the next couple of weeks as well. But mark your calendar. We hope we can see you there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's located just off Blackfoot near Chinook Center, so relatively Good pizza, easy to get good to. beer. Yeah. yeah, we had a lot of fun. Yeah, they're doing $13 pizzas, usually 17 and a dollar off any beer, which means you're going to get uh, 16 ounces for 6 bucks. I don't think you can find a better game day deal than that. Yep. So It was a lot be- of fun. It, it, it was, yeah. It was a lot of fun last time, and we just kind of sat around and talked flames, which we'll still do, but during the two intermissions, we're going to run trivia as well. So uh, we hope you can be there, start studying, and uh, hopefully hopefully you can win the flame, the first ever Fireside Chat trivia contest. This is kind of, you know, Matt and I's bailiwick is flames trivia, but now we're not going to be the ones answering. I told Matt, you can't answer the questions this time. You got to let someone else answer them. So we'll see how you guys can do when we're running this thing and not answering. Because, Matt, I think you and I could probably both sit there for hours and give each other trivia questions. Oh, yeah, definitely. 
We were doing that even before we started recording tonight. Well, you remember uh, that show that used to be on like in the 90s and 2000s via player with Brett Lindros? Sort of. I actually ended up winning a jersey off of uh, there um, for their trivia contest they had on that uh, show. So, yeah, uh, very much into obscure trivia for hockey. So, yeah, we'll try not to make this too obscure, um, but we're going to have trivia questions going all the way back to the Flames debut in Calgary. Nothing from Atlanta, um, but all the way back from the beginning of time through now, or as we said last year, through all 40 years of bad and a few years of good. Yeah. <laughs> so, Matt, let's look ahead to the week. Last week, we didn't do great in our uh, predictions. I thought we'd lose all three. You thought we'd well, win. Well, we had to have a, a, it on theme with our uh, season predictions, so, you know. There you go. <laughs> and you thought we'd beat Ottawa, lose the other two. The Flames have three games again this week. What are you predicting? Uh, I'm going to go on the pessimistic side again. Um, just because, uh, Arizona, uh, after, uh, losing, um, you know, rather badly against us. The Flames have three games at home this week. They have Tuesday against the Arizona Coyotes, 7 p.m., Thursday against the Toronto Maple Leafs, 7 p.m., and Saturday against the Edmonton Oilers, Battle of Alberta, 8 p.m., all in the Dome. So, sorry, Matt, wh- where are we going with that? Uh, well, uh- after getting trounced rather badly against the Flames uh, on the 11th, uh, I think the Coyotes are going to bounce back and give the Flames a lot harder of a time. And then the the next two games are against Toronto and Edmonton, and we don't tend to do well against either of those teams. So I'm going to go 0 for 3 again. Maybe that's the key. <laughs> Maybe the key is just to think we're going to lose them all. I'm not sure at this point. All right, let me talk through my logic here. I want us to win the Oilers game. Like, every year we have to win the Battle of Alberta, if nothing else. I feel, though, like the Oilers are hot right now, and we're going to lose that one. <sighs> Toronto? Uh, Toronto, to me, is the one I'm not sure of. It's weird that we're playing um, the Coyotes twice in three games. Like, once there, then once here. I think the Flames are going to beat the Coyotes again, though. I think the Coyotes will come for revenge, and the Flames will beat them. I don't know about the Toronto one. That's my only thing. Um, I'm going to say we lose. Because you're right. We don't tend to do well against them. And I think that, I don't know, just the way the Flames season is going, it feels like they're bound for a loss. Yeah. Like that would be a four-game win streak if they do beat the Coyotes. I don't know, just in this season. Like usually every year you get that seven, eight-game win streak. It just doesn't feel like they're due this year for that. Yeah, like it would be awesome if they did roll off seven wins, but yeah, it it's just hard with like especially like if it was like next week's opponents this week, I I think that the Flames would have a better chance of going on that seven game. Rip, St. Louis, but, Columbus, Chicago. Yeah, but you know, knowing how you know. That is, we'll win all three this week and then lose the next week after that. Yeah, and, you know, as we talked about, I mean, they shouldn't have even won the Vegas game. Vegas was healthy, in my opinion. Um, You know, Ottawa didn't play great. Like, this was not like the Flames were coming out and running on all cylinders last week. I think they got lucky in a few of those games. Yeah. Lucky with the goalie, lucky with the team, that sort of thing. So, 
Yeah, like the only game I thought felt that they actually played well start to finish was the Arizona game. Yeah. Uh, uh, the and other even two, when they let up there, they did a good job of not letting Arizona take too much control. It, yes, exactly. And it'll just be interesting to see. And this is what separates teams that actually do make the playoffs from the teams that don't is being able to deal with situations where, you know, like you're facing a team you just kicked the pants off of, uh, then two teams that you do badly generally against. Um, how do you fare against that? And we'll see. It'll be interesting. Yeah, and I can see, I don't know, I can see True Living giving a bit of a pep talk for the to the Leafs before that game. And I can see them maybe only winning because of that. He's coming back to Calgary, his first game back. Um, I don't know, maybe they got a box it, of stuff it, well, he left in his office that he can well, take it, with him. It, you know, I'm hoping that he's uh, expecting that it'll be better than Kyle Dubas's first game against Toronto because uh, Toronto ended up beating them 7 nothing, <laughs> which it's like, thanks, boys. Thanks for yep. coming out. You know, but every year, (laughs) every year you have that game where you win by seven, like, you know, big score, like seven, nothing. And then you'll have one where you lose. And the Flames really haven't had either one yet. Yeah. Um, And it's funny, you know, you mentioned the game back. I could see there being boo birds for him. And then the following Thursday, you're going to get boos every time Johnny touched the puck, too. Yeah. So, you know, two return games there. But yeah, I'm going to stick with my guns. I think. The Flames are going to be happy to be home. They've got some time before they get back on the ice, so I don't think they'll be too tired after the road swing. I'm going to say they beat Arizona. They lose to Toronto. They lose to the Oilers. So you and I both being pessimistic, maybe they'll. Maybe that's our key, Matt. Maybe we just got to be pessimistic for the rest of the year. Yep. Boy, you guys suck. That's right. <laughs> just predict all losses from here on out. All of January, all of February, everything's a loss. Yep. Um, into March... Yeah, I don't know, but it's uh, it's cool that the Flames are now home for the rest of the month. Yeah, and I'm sure that the the wives and girlfriends and all that are going to be happy that, you know, for a break where, you know, they're actually here instead of, you know, all over the place, which has basically been the whole season to this point. Yeah, and, and it's cool, too, because they're home for a couple weeks, and then they're going to go right on right onto their, uh, what are they calling it, the, the bye week? Yeah. So, you know, whether you're staying here or going somewhere else, I think that that'll probably give you the rest you need. Because there's been times they've been, you know, way over on the other side of the continent before the bye week. And then you got to get home just to go somewhere else. So that'll probably help ease them into that as well. Mm -hmm. And I think they're back home after the bye week for a bit as well. Yeah. So Um, easy for a stretch anyway for this team. Oh, no, they're on the road after the bye week. They're uh, in the east. But... Yeah, either way, um, if you want to see the Flames, it's a great time to do it. Like Al said, there's probably some cheap tickets out there. And go enjoy this team while they're playing well. Yep, and as always, go Flames, go. Fireside Chat is hosted by Dan Stevenson, co-hosted by Matt DeBorg. This episode produced and edited by Peter Marino. Fireside Chat is licensed under Creative Commons license. For full license details, visit firesidechat.ca.